Welcome to the Cherry Picker, the horror movie podcast where we like to kill people, but not really. I'm your host, Zach Cherry, and with me as always is... <gasps> I can feel death in this room. Eddie of Edward is Truth. You should have had water to like just sip and then just, like, <laughs> drool out to really sell that moment. Yeah, because that'd be fun around all this electrical equipment. Absolutely. <laughs> to sit here soaking wet for the rest of the pod. Yeah, yeah just, just water dripping down your chin. Hey, today we're talking about Deep <laughs> Red, or also known as Profondo Rosso, the Italian title. This was released March 7th, 1975. This is Dario Argento's fifth, either fourth or fifth film. I... I don't know, but this was the this was the big one. This is the one that really kind of put him on the map and redefined the giallo as uh, as we know it, or at least uh, as as the Italian market knew uh, what it was, because it really kind of uh, was one of those movies at, like for Italy that you know would be considered like a scream type movie that really uh, kind of steered the genre into a new direction for at least like the next 10 or 15 years or however it went until the the trend kind of died out but uh this this is one of my favorite movies and it's also somewhat christmasy themed <laughs> not really but there's a christmas tree in it uh so hey. we figured you know it's december Let's let's start off with some Christmas shit. Uh, so yeah. so here we are, Edward. Uh, what do you what do you make of Deep Red? Um, I think the first time I saw it was for the old pod when we did uh, commentary for it. Yeah, and I was wa- that w- you were watching one version, I was watching another. Yes. So wasn't that yes. watching the theatrical version? <laughs> you were well. It's not the theatrical version. It is the. Okay. Uh, like the American, the international version, okay, which is like really cut down. I'm not sure how long it is. Like I know the movie itself is uh like I think 126 minutes, so just over two hours. Mm-hmm. But the uh the the version, which is actually like if if anyone is like wondering what the fuck are you guys talking about this week, uh, you can watch Deep Red. It is on Shutter if if you uh have that. Um, but it is the the uh international version. Which I I would say it's probably like an hour and forty five minutes that version. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I prefer the long version. Like we'll we'll talk about that more because you've seen both of them now, and I've seen both yeah. versions. But uh, yeah, we 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 talked about it all, like years ago, um, and that was your first uh, uh, exposure to it. I'd seen this movie since like the mid two thousands, which is when I kind of like got all into this weird shit um <laughs> but no i'm glad that i'm glad that you're able to watch the the long version so you knew what the fuck i was going to be talking about uh, this episode yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was funny to hear you like describe things that weren't there because i think th- we did this a few times with like different versions or different edits I th- of the same film i think that we would do the commentary yeah film. and this is yeah this was the for anyone not knowing what we're talking about this was the old <laughs> podcast that's just kind of like was available on my Patreon years ago. Uh, It was kind of like the precursor to what the cherry picker has now become. Um, But I I know that we did the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Like, we did all the Halloweens. But we we got to the Rob Zombie ones, and you watched the theatrical cut. I watched the the director's cut. So we were, like, 
wait, what are you talking about? Um, so that's just one example of just like a movie where we were not on the same page, just in terms of like yeah, the material yeah. that we had watched. I think it was only for Halloween too, because I, I had a Blu-ray disc that had, for whatever reason, the director's cut of the first movie, but the theatrical cut of the second one. Right. I, don't ask me. But um, yeah. no, uh, with this re- returning to it, I have to say, I remember watching the international version or the American version uh, the first time and feeling like, okay, this is pretty cool. And there were things I liked here and there. This time, oh my God. <laughs> like, I got scared. <laughs> I got intrigued. I kept like, just kind of like covering my mouth or just like hold it, putting my hand to my chin and just kind of leaning in <laughs> and just, I mean, it was really compelling. I really, I found it a lot more effective, uh, this particular yeah. cut, this extended two hour, seven minute cut. Yeah. I, well, two I things, two things that are very interesting about the, like the, the extended cut, like the real cut. Uh, first of all is that uh, it's, like when when these movies were made, like like typically, uh, I don't know if this is all Italian uh, cinema or just like Italian cinema that is marketed for North America. Because I think like at the time, Argento really was trying to break into the international uh, like North American market and didn't really only really had success with Suspiria in that regards. But uh, he would have like the the main actor in this case is. English speaking, but the rest of the cast are Italian, but they would all like read the lines in English. So there really is no version that exists of this movie that is like a pure dub of it, like just like the actual audio that that exists because they would just have everyone read the lines, but then they would go back into like post-production and they would get either like the dubbing, like if they were doing the English dub and have the Mm -hmm. the actors just come on and just like whoever the the English speaking ones were and do that. And also David Hemmings, who is the the star of the movie, who is English speaking, he would just redub all of his lines over. Um, And then for the Italian version, they would have the regular, in most cases, like the actors who played the parts do their own voices, not all the time. And then they would have like an Italian actor do David Hemmings lines as well. So there, there really is no act like, print of this movie anywhere in existence that is like the the true voices everything is like a really bad dubbing i mean sometimes the dubbing is is better but i mean like it's it's part of the charm of these movies um and because of that because of that the um the full version um has scenes where it'll cut back and forth between there there'll be speaking english and then all of a sudden everyone's speaking italian and there are english subtitles so it's it's a little bit jarring to watch like if you're watching the like the international version on shutter you're just getting the english version uh uh-huh. which is which is fine but th- the other thing that's like interesting about the the long version is that there's a lot of filler like there's a lot of bullshit that's just like it's it's just long scenes of stuff that like understandable why it was cut, but the thing is that like every moment in this movie is so beautiful that it's just like it's worth it just to see the entire movie like in in full because of like just just the artistry that was put into making it. So that's why I always watch the the regular version. Can people access it somewhere? Like, uh, would they be able well, to see it? I would just, I would just recommend. I'm like, buy it. Like, go. Arrow has mm. a beautiful 4K uh, version of it. I know it's on Blu-ray as well uh, through Arrow, but that's that's your best bet. If you want, I'd like if you're 
don't want to spend a lot of money, you might be able to find like DVDs of it. Like I, my first exposure to it was the, like, remember Anchor Bay? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause Anchor Bay like did everything. Like they did all the Halloweens and stuff. They had yeah. all of these like uh, international movies like Suspiria and they had Deep Red. So those, those were the DVDs that I originally owned and saw these movies on. And that's when those movies were first available in full, because I think before, before like the early 2000s, you couldn't see any of these, like the, the full versions of these movies. Like they were always just so hacked up uh, by like American censors. Sure. Okay. Um, I also, it was funny uh, jumping back and forth because you, you, you set the stage for me. You told me to expect it's going to be a little jarring because there's going to be <laughs> some, you know, some languages flipping like mid scene and, and then they'll flip back. And I was like, okay. And I, then yeah. I kind of let go of that. And so when I played it again, I was like, oh yeah, Zach told me about this. And I, I started to take notes and I realized I was taking notes during scenes with subtitles and I was missing what was going on. So about the first half hour of the movie, I kept rewinding back. So I could, cause I, I would take a note on something and then I would go back and I just sit there and I just like watch it with, you know, no distraction. Yeah. And I was like, I can't keep doing this with the movie. So after that, I was just really mindful that I only took notes when people were speaking English and I could look away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, it was interesting because there were very, there was only a handful of things that I remembered going in. Um, like I remembered, um, Go, uh, 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 being in the square with Carlo <laughs> yeah. and just the, 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 the argument that Marcus has with him. I remembered, of course, the doll and, mm -hmm. um, we'll get there. And, um, we'll get there. I remembered Amanda Rigetti, um, in the house out in the middle of nowhere. I remember that. I was just kind of like, Oh, I remember this. I even remember the, the maid. Um, and some, and it's, it's going to go down and it's going to be bad. Yeah. And I couldn't remember anything past that. I always think it's there, funny. There, and of course, Daria Nicolodi. Daria Nicolodi. Absolutely. Who, I mean, oh. that's, that's another reason why it's better to watch the full version because so much of her scenes are cut out of the international version. Yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned Amanda Rigetti. Cause I mean, in some of these movies, like characters just like will have like a first name or a last name, but like, this is one character. Yeah. They're like, they keep saying like Amanda Rigetti. And it just makes me think of Amanda Rigetti from Friday the 13th, uh, yeah. 2009, who plays mm -hmm. uh, Jared Padalecki's uh, sister, say hi to mommy in hell. Um, which is just <laughs> a, a, a really funny coincidence. But um, for, for anyone who has like no idea who Argento is or like, cause we've already covered Suspiria and Tenebrae and Suspiria is not really a giallo. I mean, it has giallo components to it, but like a giallo is, it's a, an Italian murder mystery. They're kind of like these pulp novel, uh, old style mysteries. Um, which I mean, if you're, I, I personally think that they're kind of like, the old school, like seventies or eighties style, like versions of Scream, of just like you know, it's a it's it's an old fashioned murder mystery, and there's and it, they're right. they're kind of slasher esque, like there's definitely like more so Tenebrae, but in this movie there's like some pretty like violent moments that are just like very akin to what you would see in slasher movies, and sure. that's kind of like what these like the Italian cinema was doing was just kind of like it. Almost like borderline, like grindhouse, like sometimes like erotic, um, that they would do these things. And a lot of like the, the older movies before that, like they were, 
interesting. Like they like it, they were pretty basic. They would have uh, like for instance, like the the movies that Argento did before this were like The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Cat of Nine Tails, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Like, they just have, like, really silly names like that. Um, I'm just trying to find some other names of, like, other, like, uh, something, something, Don't Torture a Duckling, um, (laughs) Seven Bloodstained Orchids, uh, Smile Before Death. Like, weird titles like that. And, And Deep Red, like I said, like, that. this was the one that just kind of, like, came in there and Argento kind of stepped away from like whatever the the norm was for making these movies and just like he got like goblin to score it and just like really introduced like new components to to making these movies that just really focused on not just the visuals but also the sound so it's just like Mm -hmm. these movies are such an experience visually and sonically that they're kind of transcendent of anything else that was really that came before it or you know even at its time or even what like american cinema was doing uh in the mid 70s when this came out um so take it away i just i just i just got lost no yeah no i can see the influence that it (laughs) i can see the influence that it had like on things that followed because i kept seeing things in this movie that i had forgotten that were evocative to me of other movies like uh, at one point, um, I can't remember who it is uh, at the moment because I'm not going through my chronological notes. Yeah. But at one point when somebody grabs like a knitting needle and every time somebody grabs a knitting needle in self-defense, I immediately go to Laurie Strode in Halloween. <laughs> and there was yeah. another moment where, um, uh, oh, uh, when, uh, uh, to get back to Amanda Rigetti, when she's um, uh, uh, getting scalded and I was just kind of like Halloween too. You yeah. know, that scald kill, like it's so specific. And then it, um, even the opening, like the flashback opening, I was recently, like maybe within the last year or so, exposed to the movie Pieces, which opens with a very violent flashback as well that involves a child. And that, I don't know, even the color palette seems yeah. to be similar to what they were using <laughs> in that. That one was in Boston, of course, and not, you know, like Italy. But, mm-hmm. um but I, I, yeah, it, and I'm sure that there's so many references throughout. Like th- th- this feels like an absolute trailblazer of a movie that every director must have seen and wanted to emulate. Yeah, uh, one end or well, another. Well, I mean, especially like James Wan, who's spoken to like like just how influential Argento has been uh, for him. And I mean, like in a way, I know you were probably wanting to talk about this later, but I'll just say like Billy the Puppet from Saw is very much inspired from this movie we can talk about it more later um before you do a premise because i feel like you know let's do a premise and um um also before we do that i just want to uh go over (laughs) some housekeeping which there really isn't very much i just want to thank uh boy cried wolf our editor for all of his uh hard work uh on the podcast and thank you and all that. Thank you for being part of the team. And um, also, uh, if you would like to support us on Patreon, uh, which is actually my Patreon account, Zach Cherry, you can head over there. Uh, all tiers get you early access to all of our episodes. If you are supporting on the Freddy Krueger tier, you'll get access to the Cherry Picker After Dark, which is the bonus episode we do every month. Uh, we just did Buffy Season 7. We finally finished the entire series. Uh, so that was that was last month in November. This month we are doing for to keep in line with the Christmas theme. Uh, do you want to say it? Batman returns. <laughs> yeah, we are. Even th- no, no, I liked it. Even though we're, we we didn't even 
talk about the the first Batman, and it it will probably be the only superhero movie we ever talk about on here. Uh, <laughs> it's it's horror. It's, Blade it's, two at some point, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Why why not Blade one? Why not Trinity? Well, we're doing Batman Returns. Why not just keep just it start playing? with the, start with the sequels? Yeah. Yeah, if a horror adjacent superhero flick yeah. was good enough to warrant a sequel, we'll watch the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel I, like that's, that, that's not a. Pr- yeah, cool. <laughs> Batman Returns I, I, is very horror adjacent to me, um, and very gay, um, and mm-hmm. and we love yep. gay horror here. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, please support the podcast. Uh, lots of bonus content and bonus episodes, hours of it, really to to catch up on. Uh, but having said all that, what is the premise for this, Edward? So glad you asked. <clears throat> Jazz pianist Marcus Daly and wisecracking journalist Gianna Brizzi step into a complex web of mystery after Daly witnesses the brutal murder of a psychic. But if Daly moonlights as an investigator long enough, will he join the roster? of murder victims and also bleed deep red (laughs) did you did you make that one up on your own uh no i modified it from the the imdb that's uncredited the one that's right at the top that nobody writes oh (laughs) cool very nice um yeah yeah. well yeah let's talk about okay because you mentioned the sort of like the, the the movie starts off and this is like a lot of argento movies where it's it's it sort of has a a theme of just like uh someone witnessing a murder or a crime or something and that sort of sets them off on this obsessive like just like trying to figure it out on their own like this very like vigilante i'm going to do my own like scooby doo investigation of things and and that's that's pretty much a recurring theme for a lot of argento movies but mm-hmm. uh, a, an interesting element here um, because this this predates Suspiria, which is a very supernatural movie, is that there is kind of a supernatural element to Deep Red in the sense that the victim uh, who whose murder he witnesses is a psychic. And the whole, like, opening scene is her at this conference just, like, you know, talking to people about her psychic ability and that kind of triggering someone in the audience to recall them committing a murder and it's just like that's like the thoughts that she gets so it's just like it's so interesting that that's sort of it, it starts off as the supernatural thing and then just like segues right into kind of like more grounded uh like real life like murder mystery yeah um j- just to jump back to the flashback just for a second one of the things that i really appreciated um after the fact um because i wrote a note when uh, the murder is committed in the flashback and then the shoes move in. And I just wrote li- without even realizing what I was writing, little girl shoes. Cause I saw like these knee high socks and these shoes yeah. that no American boy would probably yeah. be asked to wear. Um, and I, and I, when I got to the end of the, well, near the end of the movie, when spoilers that <laughs> watch the movie, uh, but when we find out the identity of the killer and whatnot, and it's, it's yeah. Carlo and, um, 
uh, uh, I just thought like, oh my gosh, so like, and, and then again, we like, we think he's the killer. And then we find out that his mother is the killer and that she's the one who's been putting on like that, that black eye makeup and, and, and playing with what well, it was marbles and thread and rusty knives. Like who's yeah. playing with those? <laughs> she, I mean, the, yeah. So like Martha is the killer. Um, that's always how yeah. I interpreted it. And Carlo is kind of covering for her because it's sort of this, like, okay. this whole thing. It was just like, because, like, in the, in the monologue or when Helga, the psychic, is just like, she's reading Martha's mind and she's just like, we have to cover it up, hide everything. Like, she's obviously speaking to Carlo as a child. Um, which, mind you, like, you're, you're talking about, like, the knee-high socks. I actually, it makes me think of the kid from, um, uh, Suspiria, like Albert, the, right. the was yeah. it the same actor actually? <laughs> no, I'm I, trying to I think don't of it. Know. Um, <laughs> but the yeah, um, just because it's like a very a very samey kind of uh, like child's outfit. Because um, we don't yeah. see, we only see like the feet. We don't. It, it doesn't show the the this the correct perspective of that scene until the end of the movie. So it's kind of, right. it starts off on this mystery and it kind of comes back th- in this like through line of just like part of, uh, Mark's investigation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, like all the stuff with the marbles, like that's just like fancy, like little cool stuff with like the goblin score playing on top of it. And I always just kind of envisioned that as Martha. Cause she's, she's just demented. Like she's, she's, um, just, shown like not even in like the few scenes that we see her in the movie but also um in the flashback at the end where she's like she's obviously going to be committed to this uh institution by her husband and and then that's she like murders him to put a stop to that and that's that's what like sets this whole thing into motion um so yeah i always i always just pictured it as her and like yeah absolutely like the the eye makeup and he's Carlo's only really involved in like maybe because uh, he's the most of the movie he's drunk right yeah yeah so it's just like you know she she might be like you need to go follow him and like check on this shit I don't know uh, I, I don't think that there's a possibility for a who killed who in this movie if that's what you're <laughs> uh, if that's what you're asking but um okay yeah, it's a hundred percent her, and I think that also that's what's interesting about her being the killer is that she is kind of the OG. I mean, I don't want to speak to like maybe other Jallo before this that might have had like mm-hmm. uh, an older lady mother being the killer, but she is the original uh, Mrs. Voorhees, um, uh, 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 Laurie Metcalf, and Scream Two. Like she came first, and actually, like just speaking to the scream of it all again, like this movie in particular it kind of feels like there's elements of Scream 2 and Scream 3 that I find in this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you notice it, but I mean, like, not just the fact that you've got like the mother uh, being the killer, um, okay. but also sort of the the Gale and Dewey of it all, because I, I very much see uh, <laughs> Jana Bretzi, Daria's character as kind of like, she's she's a journalist. She's, that, she's basically mm-hmm. just chasing after the scoop the whole movie. Um, and she's she has this very uh, interesting relationship with um, with Marcus, who's kind of like, like he's similar to Dewey and just like a very sensitive uh, soul. And he's just very temperamental and like the two of them clash so much, but they have that chemistry together, 
which is mm. very feels very like Scream three. Well, Scream two and but like especially Scream three, Gale and Dewey. <laughs> but also just in keeping like to, with it with its own thematics, this film it's kind of like part of the whole wonderful gender fuckery tapestry of it all. Like yeah. I really, um, I appreciated in retrospect, like when I, when I realized like, Oh, the mother is the killer. And we were led to believe that it was Carlo. And probably most people who were seeing this movie for the first time, like believed that the killer was male. And, um, mm-hmm. Even just like little things throughout, like, I mean, like there, there, there's, uh, f- the arguments between Gianna and, uh, Marcus throughout the film also about like, you know, these sexual roles that they play. I love the way he actually at one point, like, identifies his own particular brand of sexism to her. Um, I wrote it down. I can't remember exactly what it was that he said, but it was something to the effect of, um, uh, like, uh, Women, uh, women may be stronger than men with when it comes to brute strength, but when, men are smarter. Men are more intelligent when it comes to like rational thought. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's an interesting non-traditional take. It's still misogynist, but I, yeah. but um, I, 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 but I mean, she, 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 she basically bested him when she cheated in that little. Uh, they didn't call it arm wrestling. What was it that they called it? They called in it the Indian wrestling. Indian wrestling. Yes. <clears throat> So I'll refer to it as arm wrestling for the rest of the book. Yeah. <laughs> this just keep in mind. Uh, well, I mean, here it, this is a movie that came out in 1975. Um, yeah. So so uh, terms that are now uh, problematic or outdated or you know right. we we we've talked about this before. We can't judge movies based on when they came out. Uh, because that's like looking at friends and just being like, this show is unwatchable because of, you know, all the shit that they, <laughs> you know, do in that. But, um, yeah. no, it's, it, there, there's a lot of interesting things because like Argento always did play with kind of like these themes of, of, of gender identity. And, um, like when we find out like Carlo is gay and yeah. we're, uh, Mark goes to visit him at this uh, uh, Ricci person's house, and it's actually yeah. the the person playing Ricci is a woman who yes. is presenting as a man, um, and even has this like sort of like like little fine mustache hair that I never noticed until I got the the 4K print of the movie. Oh, wow. Like it's, it's it's a real like yeah the the 4K is amazing uh yeah. of, for what they do here. Um but uh she also has the thinnest neck I've ever seen on on film, I think. Yeah. Well, it's, just, it's <laughs> yeah, she's very how does she swallow? Anyway. Very slender. How do you keep your head up? But um yeah, right. <laughs> no, that yeah, he would always he would always do things with that. He would always kind of like like surprise like he might have been like the like cuz I said I don't know if they've had like mother killers before but i mean a lot of the the killers in his movies are revealed to be uh female so there's it's it's not mm-hmm. um like like it is very balanced in in that way mm-hmm. um and yeah there's like everything there's there's a lot of those arguments that they have throughout the movie um another funny thing that i noticed with um with um uh mark which actually I, uh eric pointed out to me is that the entire movie he always has yeah. a cigarette in his hand, but he never gets to smoke it. Like whenever he's like about to like light it or anything, like it's just it doesn't uh-huh. it doesn't happen. So it's just like there's this constant battle that he's going through of just like trying to light his cigarette and it just does not work out for him. Right. Um also 
there's another thing that I, I mean, I, I can't say Kubrick necessarily like, you know, took this and was influenced by it, but it did evoke kind of like memories of The Shining for me in terms of just like the Overlook Hotel and the way you don't really know where anything is and the way walls and doors, you know, full on disappear and then reappear and things like that. Right. I didn't necessarily have that with the space so much as I did with just where we were in time. Because, um, and I don't remember some of these, I think a lot of this might have just like been put back in, um, maybe, I, I don't know, um, in, in this particular cut. But I like, because suddenly there's a scene after uh, Carlo's mom sends Marcus to find Carlo at Ricci, and we see what I just wrote as this androgynous young person at the door. And then I found, Oh, Carlo's lover and you're supposed to be male, Cole, whatever. But then suddenly Hmm. after that, Carlo and Marcus are playing piano in a club that looks as though it's locked in the 1930s. It looks like that painting. um, Yeah. The, the diner corner, whatever, whatever that's called. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a woman with a full on like, uh, uh, kind of like bucket hat that, that, uh, I would associate with, you know, like Fay Ray and other screen sirens of the 1930s and stuff yeah. like that. And it doesn't look like anything else. I mean, cause the, the general look of the film, I'd, I'd probably attribute to a very 1970s look and feel, but mm-hmm. every now and then, like, oh, uh, Amanda Rigetti is another good I- I- example for me. Like when she comes on, st- on screen with that hairdo the first time, I'm thinking like late fifties, early sixties hair yeah. flips before ironing your hair, like went into <laughs> uh, yeah. fashion. Like she looks very, very much like uh, trapped in another time as well. So I don't know. And then um, the score also just feels really eclectic to me. And yeah. I couldn't tell if that was intentional or if it's also a feature that's like particular to this specific cut i i yeah. maybe maybe you just speak here's that. here's a question do you find that the score kind of sounds like the halloween theme like kind of oh, like a similar I mean, uh maybe tempo i mean it has well, it, there's more like, there's more nuances yeah. to it and like little like screeches and yeah. stuff and like it gets more it's very rock and roll but there's just like i guess like the main like like that okay okay yeah, uh, when you, when you put it that way, I can I, I can see that. Yeah. I, I feel maybe the Halloween score is a little bit more for my taste, effectively suspenseful yeah. than this one. This one I was actually kind of like bowled over by the examples of uh, the music cues, um, but like the music cue uh, upon entry into Helga's place um, uh, 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 after Carlo toasts. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, there's so there's so much. <laughs> well, there's Carlo toasts. The yeah, scream th- in the night is this potentially raped virgin. I yeah. Know, it's just whatever. Hail to ye. But yeah. then there's a cue in Helga's place that sounded smooth and almost kind of bossa nova to me. Like there's <laughs> there's a like, jazziness. There's a jazziness to it. Like some like some of the music no, in this like straight up feels like it's from a porn movie. Um mm-hmm. and it gets it, it some of it gets pretty wild. Like I love all of it. Um but Argento mm-hmm. films are not always known for like this is probably one of the more consistent ones. I think like Suspiria, <laughs> uh, which is like the 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 score of that is like sort of the centerpiece, but like Tenebrae is a much more consistent theme. Like when you get to like movies like Opera and Phenomena, where Argento started to play with like he would actually have like Iron Maiden songs playing 
loudly over scenes that are just like this should not be yeah. here. I mean, this shouldn't even be in the movie, but especially in this moment, it's like you know, it might be like a moment like wrought with tension, and then it's like completely undermined with this like blaring heavy metal music. But um, <laughs> no, it's just like it's yeah. There's it's it's kind of got like like it adds to kind of like the mystery, like the searching theme. Like that's what the music always felt like to me. Like it's just like we're yeah. on an investigation. Um, and it's, well, <laughs> it's really fun that way. But I, I did want to speak to just like the, cause you were talking about like more so like the time, like the, the place and time. Cause yeah. that, I mean, first of all, that diner that's set up there or that piano lounge or whatever, which is really cool because it is like a painting. Like this movie is, has been kind of like, uh, uh, been said to be like a, like a moving painting, but that set yeah. in particular, cause none of the people in there are moving. Like if they are moving, they're yeah. moving very slowly. Um, and it's, it's, it's strange, but it's like, it's definitely a 1920s aesthetic, but I mean, like even the, like the font for the movie, and I'm talking about like the Italian credits, like the Profondo Rosso credits have this very, um, like art deco, uh, kind of style to it. So there, it does, it definitely does have this like 1920s, uh, vibe to it. Mm. Um, I, the, the stuff with like the Amanda Rigetti, She's the only character I can think of in the movie that like kind of has that that yeah. that style. But like like Gianna <laughs> Bretzi is like yeah, Gianna Bretzi like her style is so much seventies. Like she's she's basically yes. has like the Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction, um, like not the same hair. I mean like you know if it was like a little bit more um, uh, like fringed and and like fried out then. Yeah, but like she's mm. she's got the jet like the black jacket and the the white shirt with like the really sharp. Um, collars, <laughs> <laughs> lapels. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. No, she's she is she is head to foot the modern woman, uh, mm-hmm. as modern as as you can expect Dario Gento to make a woman. But, in yeah, and she she even had like one of those like really like old fashioned like cigarette like the long cigarette holders that she oh, was the long like brown like twirling around looking. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's definitely like like a very 1920s vibe about it, but I, it works. Mm-hmm. It's 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 cool. It is kind of lost in time in that way and like yeah. the, the other thing that's like so neat about uh argento's vision we'll say is that you know he films these movies like you know he'll go back to certain cities that he's filmed in before like this was in turin um but he'll use locations that have never been seen in any other films before and he'll yeah. never go back to like the same locations again so just like it has this very like almost like a halloween and just the way that like yeah. You have South Pasadena that is supposed to be uh, uh, <laughs> representing uh, the Midwest. And it's just yes. like it, it, it somehow it, it feels like it's just a dream because it's like nothing like that ever even exists. So this is like a yeah. like a, a almost like a place in Italy that that also doesn't exist. And especially when you throw in like these diners, that was a that was a set that they built that entire thing. Oh, wow. He had oh gosh, that's sensational. He I mean, Argento like came from a lot of money. Like his father was like a big time Italian producer. So Uh, he, I mean like a lot of like the movies, like from deep red until like opera, like they're very expensive. Like he would have an exorbitant budget that he probably didn't need and would just throw money into the most ridiculous things just, just because he could. And then that money like went away. And then that's, that's why like movies that he made after 
opera and you know more current stuff is just kind of like hated because it's just he he doesn't have the money for it he 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 mm. not that it takes a lot of money to make good movies but um that's one factor why he he hasn't really necessarily stood the test of time uh as a modern filmmaker oh i mean it's probably easy to get used to having a big budget and then once it's taken away from you maybe maybe you have to work all that much harder to rediscover I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't know what it is to kind of like have, have, I've never had money. So, you know, I don't really know what it is to lose yeah. it all. Uh, New, they call them nouveau riche, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they drape themselves in furs and, you know, wear fancy jewelry. <laughs> but really, they just don't know anybody. Well, I, I mean, I, um, yeah, with, I mean, he's, a brilliant filmmaker, breaker, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. He's a he's he's a brilliant filmmaker. Like, there's no uh, question sure. about that. But it's it, it certainly a lot of like what he was able to accomplish uh, came from having money, and he probably he might have taken that for granted. Um, Maybe. And at this point in his career, it's kind of like, how do you go back to that without having like like that's what I'm assuming you're you're meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, but in terms of, uh, there were two other music cues I wanted to bring up because I think they were my favorites. Uh, aside from, oh, well, actually, you know what? I don't have, oh, God damn it. I can't have favorites. I don't know what it means, but I, <laughs> you can't rank. Um, you can't really, have favorites. What I can can't do, do anything. You know? I'm just really a fan of, uh, it, it's 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 what the movie opens with with those children with the la la la's and everything <laughs> and I, the I nursery remember. rhyme yeah 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 I dig that it's, it's kind of got but like then, a like a music box uh, like yeah. a horror music box quality like you know like a Candyman or a Hellraiser thing or a poltergeist is what i thought of yeah. just because i mean there's times where i listen to that it almost sounds like a little christmas children's choir just going la, 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 with little chimey you know yeah. uh xylophone playing in the yeah. background Which, yeah. But, um yeah uh, so more influence but i also uh appreciate the other side of it when marcus is first investigating the the the, the large haunted house um mm. it sounds that's where I feel like the rock music of the 1970s really like plugs in. And and I mean, specifically of the seventies, like we wouldn't consider it rock. Now it almost sounds folksy now, but in the seventies, I could see parents going, turn down that racket. You know, if you were playing that (laughs) from your bedroom (laughs) as a kid. And then later, um, when, uh, he's, he's alone, uh, when Marcus goes back to the big house alone at night for, you know, whatever reason, cause movie's got a movie. Um, there's all of a sudden this, <laughs> yeah, he had a yeah. reason, but all, there, all of a sudden there's this like 1960s psychedelic moog sound that's going on, this synthesizer. Um, I don't know if it's a moog specifically, yeah. cause I think I know which one you're talking about when he, when he this. breaks th- through the wall and sees the, the skeleton. And well, yeah, well, he's climbing down yeah. and everything like that. And it's just, it's, um, uh, it, 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 psychedelic was, is, is the word. Like all yeah. of a sudden, it's like the world is just kind of like breaking apart. Yeah. <laughs> Sonically. And, um, uh, uh, I, I just, I wanted to, you to know how much I, uh, really appreciated the ride this time. Cause I mean, you used the word filler earlier to describe a lot of the stuff that was restored into the film. And mm-hmm. for me, I mean, for someone who's, who loves subjective 
cinema as much as I do and who loves behavior-based cinema <laughs> as much as I do. Yeah. If I just spend more time with these people, just kind of watching them uh, do things, I, I, it was never filler in the sense that I felt like I was bored and I was just kind of like, could we just get to the thing? In fact, no, it not made at all. everything more charming. It actually enhanced the experience for me and made it yeah. seem more... Like, there's more of a signature across, you know, this film by Argento and by everybody he was collaborating yeah. with, actually, the actors and the creative team. And it just it, it just made it uh, a much more uh, uh, poignant, if that's the word, uh, uh, or singular flavor. Yeah. You know, it's, when, I, when I say filler, I don't mean, like, anything in terms of just, like, it's it doesn't add to it. It's just, like, it's things that don't really have anything to do with anything. But they they absolutely do enhance it, um, and that's that's part of what I love. Like what I love so much about the movie is sort of that that dynamic between them. Um, and I really wish, like, if I had a complaint about this movie, which is very few and far between. Like, this is a perfect movie to me. This is a five star movie. Um, but I would have wanted more Daria Nickelodeon. I would have wanted more of them together doing this investigation like there were even moments where he said like no you this is something i have to do on my own uh yada 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 or even if we had gone off with her and you know had her separate storyline of just seeing her uh investigating into it um because the the scenes where they're together are yeah. electrifying and especially when they're at that school at the end like that moment that's actually in the trailer when yeah. There's the like the the classroom with the uh, the chalkboard that's like swinging, and there's the hangman on there, and then and then you hear her, and she's just like, "Wait, did you hear that?" And he's like, "What is it? I don't know." Um, also, by the way, I, and I was talking about this with Eric, the the because it's not Daria's voice, uh, sadly, unless you watch the Italian version. But the 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 actress who does the dubbing uh, for this also did the dub of the character of Olga in Suspiria. The uh, the the mean girl at the the uh-huh. the dance academy the what that uh, Susie lived with for or she Susie moved in with for like a day and then she kicked her out yeah because she got sick girls with names that begin with S R sticks yeah yeah but you yeah if you listen you can totally hear the voice it's it's the same one she's okay. like hi awesome. everybody like you must be the eyewitness because um, like that's the thing like even like the the some of the the dub actors that they have do an amazing job like i prefer to i mean i think that you should always with when it comes to foreign movies that have been dubbed um it's always a, the best practice to watch the movie um from whoever the main actor is so if the main actor is italian I would recommend like watching the the movie in Italian language mm-hmm. um, with English subtitles. But most of Argento's movies do kind of like have this theme of like an outsider, um, which is like an American or an Englishman uh, living in Italy or Germany or, or wherever in the yeah. world it is. And they're kind of like there's this language barrier, but not really because everyone is just speaks English anyway if, if because of the dub. <laughs> um, but it's always it's always so much more interesting. Like it's funnier to me to like hear some of the bad dubbing over like that's just the uh-huh. way I remember it rather than just listening to the Italian version. So I'll always like prefer to watch the English version. Like there's another Argento movie called Sleepless, um, which has some particularly atrocious dubbing. And there's this there's one scene where this this girl, for whatever reason, at the beginning of the movie, goes to pick up her friend from a train, uh, like a train station, and she leaves her car 
running in the parking lot with the keys in it. It's raining and she's gone from her, her car for like five or 10 minutes. She comes back to the parking lot. It's gone. And there's this car with like, I don't know who the guy is. Like maybe he's like the parking uh, attendant or whatever, but he's just sleeping in his car. And she's just like, where's my fucking car? Where's my fucking car? And it's not like, it just does not match at all. And he's like, how should I know? Maybe someone moved it. <laughs> and it's like, it's so bad. But that's the only way I ever want to hear it. Like, I, I don't want to hear right. what it should sound like, because that's just in my mind. This is the best inversion of it, just because of how sure, bad it is. Sure. <laughs> um, also, because I, I could have sworn at some point uh, with Helga um, that she wasn't speaking English or Italian, but that she was she was speaking German. She, it seemed weird. Yeah, she was speaking German because she is German. Like, they established okay. that. So in the scene when she, because she's figures out like who the killer is and she's going home and she's making the note. She hasn't told anyone yet. So that's what like kind of incites Martha to go there and kill her. But she's on the phone with her friend and she's just speaking to them in German. So it's interesting because there's, there's um, English and Italian subtitles in that moment. So it's the, the film's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. You got you had to pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) No, you, I, I, I definitely had to keep in rapt attention. One thing that, um, I wanted to remark on just in terms of the cinematography. Um, it was a shot I did not remember, even though I said I remembered like in the square, Carlo and uh, uh, Marcus. Um, there was a shot that I can't even call a master mm-hmm. because I I don't think because a- as far as I know, masters are establishing shots for the environment that the actors are playing in. And usually it's a room or it can be, you know, outdoors. It can be a square. It can be wherever. But it's so pulled back mm-hmm. <laughs> with... Um, Marcus at one side of the screen and Carlo at the other side. And it's just this distant two shot. Um, and I couldn't help wondering because they were, they were having a conversation about the painting yeah. in Helga's home. Yeah. And I couldn't, and, and about that it was significant. Carlo was suggesting it's maybe important. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So he yells at him. They're like, he's like way across and, on the other side of the. Exactly. The square, and yeah. there's this giant statue in between the two of them. Yeah. And it's it's not distracting in a sense that it derails me from the scene, but it yeah. made me wonder. It's such a significant piece of art between them. And it's just, I believe, a man reclining. It's like an like an Adonis type man. That right. act, that location in Turin, actually that square has two statues. So there's a, a female one on the other side. Uh, so with that, I think it might be like kind of like symbolic of Carlo's uh, as of yet revealed uh, sexuality because okay. he's he, we keep seeing him like hanging out at this statue, like whether he's throwing up there or just drinking right. there. So he's kind of just like glomming towards this this <laughs> nude, I believe, or semi nude uh, male mm. statue, like, this, like gi- are. Gi- yeah. giant statue. Yeah. Yeah, because that 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 was what I I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because at the time that I took the note, um, I didn't remember enough of the film to remember where we were going, but I just loved this. It felt like a smart move, <laughs> and mm-hmm. from from what you've just you know uncovered, yes, it was uh, on the part of the filmmaker to have two characters discussing the importance of a piece of art while they have this humongous, undeable piece of art that may figure you know, uh, 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 relevant 
uh, as we, you know, unearth more and more throughout the movie. So that was something that I really yeah. appreciated. And you also, yeah. yeah, and you also, you're speaking of, like, the the art or the thing that he's trying to remember, because that's another theme yeah. within a lot of Argento movies of just sort of, like, like playing with memory, um, because that is, like, it, it sort of, like, unlocks the clue to solving the murder, because um, we saw it in Suspiria. It's, you know, like, the secret iris. Like, what does that mean? Turn the blue one. Like, you know, what she hears um, Pat saying as she's leaving the the school in the beginning of the movie during the the rainstorm um so it's like it's like this thing that just like continues on throughout the movie and tenebrae there was there was the moment it, it was kind of like more so towards the, the the latter half of the movie when uh gianni the the assistant because yeah. he witnesses the murder of the murderer and he doesn't realize what he sees. So he has to go back there and like before he figures it out and gets killed anyway. Mm-hmm. But the like the thing that's so interesting about this one is that it, the movie actually reveals who the killer is in like the first 10 minutes or so. If you're, if you're like, right. a, if you're looking for it, if you're like a keen observer, cause it's, uh, it, and I love how they, it's all it, like the blocking is so good as well. Cause like he's walking down the hallway and he's just sort of like looking left and right. Cause there's like, there's paintings and there's mirrors and she like Martha is like hiding in this sort of like alcove and you see her, like he, what he sees is her reflection standing with all of these other faces. And yes. he just thinks it's the painting. So right. it's, and he's kind of like, he looks at it. We see that he notices it, but then he, it shows like the like he looks forward and he keeps walking as he walks by and in that like in that split second you can see her face and then of course they do when they come back to the the crime scene at the end which is another thing i love like it, it just it it feels so full circle in a way it just like we started the movie here and now it's just like this is where the climax is going to take place mm-hmm. when he when he goes there yeah. just like it does feel important it feels like we're making our way back to like the belly of the beast like this is it's almost like he's finally remembering and there's something there is something very almost like still like supernatural about it because it's just like it's just almost like mystical when he goes back in there and even like the music during that uh um moment when he does go back into the apartment and just trying to like like the mirror or whatever like the painting it's important it's important um because i mean i think for people who are like looking at the movie logically you know that there's no possible way that carlo could be the killer because he was with him when it happened like at the beginning and it's and and that's that feels like very evocative like of a lot of uh like murder mystery tropes where the it's almost like hidden in plain sight like the clues are hidden in plain sight in terms of just like why we know that something's not true. Like I won't give any spoilers for the movie, but the, uh, the glass onion, I don't know if you saw that, like the knives out too. No, there's a moment in it. That's very much like we see it happen. And we like, if you're paying attention, you remember it. But then when they go back and, and sort of like replay it, it's like the, the scenario is different. Cause we're, it's like being shown through like right. different perspectives. And it's just like, that's not the perspective we saw it at, but you kind of, you start to forget because you're being lied to and you're being like told these, mm-hmm. these different things. So it's, um, mm-hmm. it's always done so successfully in, 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 in movies like that where, you know, people do got, kind of get caught up and they're just like, oh, I forgot that he, that he was there. Cause they're just be- going to yeah. believe like, oh yeah, Carlo's the killer. 
That's another uh, Scream 2 influence because it's making me think about the moment when, uh, you know, come on, I got to have a partner. And then out walks Gail, <laughs> but we don't know she's at gunpoint. Yeah. And Sydney immediately, Gail. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, doused out almost immediately. But yeah. I was one of the people, and I know I wasn't alone. One yeah. of the people went, <gasps> and did, and, did, and took a moment to go like, you know, it went so fast that like after it happened, it's like, oh yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. She yeah. was crying when Dewey got killed and yeah. everything like, well, she was hiding inside. Like, why would she be out running Ghostface when nobody's watching? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, it, abso- <laughs> it absolutely, like it, it threw me the first time I saw it. And I remember... Um, watching the movie with my sister the first time she yeah. saw it and she like when that moment happened she's just like what? Probably because it's like that doesn't make any sense um, and that's such a great moment <laughs> oh my god you're just making me realize like why Scream 2 is the best <laughs> <laughs> well much obliged yeah. um, but <laughs> there was one thing that I thought because um, I don't remember it I, I remember there being like Obviously, like banter and chemistry, certainly yeah. between um, Jana and um, Marcus. But mm-hmm. the second she started, and she was asking him in Italian, so I know it was cut. So she started asking him whether he found her attractive or not, and I was going like, "Oh, oh, what? Why is it so important to you?" And then later on, when they were driving in the car, I think that's when she said, "You'll come home with me," and he's kind of like, uh, and she's like. You're coming home with me. And it's just like, whatever. Yeah. And then later, I think it might be the same conversation stretch into the next scene, or maybe it's just later in the scene. But uh, she spells out, she gets angry with him uh, and basically just kind of spells out, listen, I don't have a boyfriend in Italian, you know, like I don't have a boyfriend. And so, you know, this is going to happen. And, and, you know, so, you're, you know, whatever she says, yeah. you'll know better than I do. But I was like, I oh think my was- God, this is like a full on, there's a full on like romantic sexual yeah thing that is really being spelled out and they're going to go there and then when they both got out of uh they, they both went back to her place and then obviously consummated their union well i think um, they, they I the was... first time they consummated it because i was assumed because after they went to like back to the the uh auditorium where the uh, yeah. uh what's his face um jordani uh helga's right. associate was like like regaling right. them of like what had happened and then yeah. it kind of it does that really like cool wraparound thing, and it like the the lights kind of go dim. But then it kind of theatrical. Com- it comes back, and then they're in. I'm assuming his apartment, and he, they're like both right. getting dressed. So I'm assuming yeah. no, they they fucked like earlier okay. on in the movie. I didn't. I I, I was yeah. too busy writing my note about like how, how the lights go out on stage. I'm just like this is very theatrical. So I guess I missed them putting their clothes back on. But yeah, sure. So I mean, anyway, the movie goes there, and I don't. I didn't remember any of that from the cut that I saw. Yeah. Was and that that's not in it, right? Oh, anything just, that's anything that was Italian uh, audio is not in. The, okay, but they never even alluded to the fact that they had sex or anything like that. I don't know because it's that's the thing. Like I've only watched the the North American version once, and okay. even watching it, I I know what happens. Like I wasn't watching it through sure. the lens of like a brand new movie. I was just more like, right. you know, that's like it's like the way I watch Scream Four. Just like I know that there's more shit that's like missing there but um <laughs> head cannon yeah and and the thing is like after i saw the the cut that one time i just knew like i never have to watch this again because because there's the better version when it first started to unravel that the two of them were actually kind of like you know dipping in as it were mm. uh i didn't like it i was like no no no, i don't want it to go this way and then it ended up actually being 
kind of like a sweet little. <laughs> I well, don't know. Then she sliver. She had like he had like a photograph of some woman in his apartment, and I and this was one of the like yeah. the Italian moments, and she just like kind of took it and like threw it in the trash, and she's <laughs> she's just like I'm your girlfriend now or something like that. And, <laughs> <laughs> And she did that strut away, yeah. didn't she? Where she's just, yeah. Uh, and I was just going, do, 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 down, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, she was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, anything to see more Daria Nickelodeon, anything. But yeah. um, I, I really, I don't know. I, it ended up being kind of endearing. Like, at first I was just kind of like, oh, you don't need him. Because honestly, on the face of it, I'm not really that taken with Marcus on his own. He seems to be, and this this is odd that it, it's an issue with me. This usually seems like something you'd probably take issue with a character for. Okay. But I think he seems like uh, very, very uh, passive and very, very observational. It's not that he's not proactive, but it's that even when he's being proactive, he's doing it so incredibly silently. And it doesn't feel like it's in an intrepid way or um, yeah. like he's scheming or anything. He's just kind of like following his instincts but not uh, they don't even seem all that keen he's just kind of going where the water is warm yeah. that's the impression i get from him as a character and that's why her as like this firecracker it 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 does create such a great balance between the two of them because he's mm-hmm. just kind of they're like Ugh. and she's like huh? you know yeah. and that that's their energies for me like the whole movie <laughs> the argento is not known for like i mean He's not known for writing, like, great characters uh, at all. But, like, <laughs> I mean, Jonna is, a, like, an exception to, like, the the female characters that he writes of just sort of, like, like actually sure. being, like, independent and, uh, yeah. like, having having their own agency and, and being interesting mm-hmm. as well. Because, I mean, Daria was also it. She played Anne in Tenebrae. She was yeah. Tenebrae's final girl. And she was such a nothing character that by like she is what we would call like a final girl by default like she is the epitome of a final girl by default so uh it's always interesting to just because she shows up in so many of his movies because they were i don't think they they were officially married but they were an item for a while like their their daughter together is uh asia argento um but uh it's he he wasn't really known for like you know writing women very well, but also his leading men were kind of pathetic, um, especially in a lot of those earlier movies, like the Animal trilogy before this that he did of like Bird, Cat, and and Four Flies. Um, so Marcus is like kind of like he falls in line with just like the very like ineffective um, kind of like male protagonist, um, and he does he does irk me a little bit. Like I. The thing is, like, I enjoy watching him. I enjoy, like, his journey through the film. But he does things that, like, piss me off. Like, he's – he there's 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 a, there's definitely, like, a sense of entitlement um, that comes from it. Because he's uh, – I mean, clearly, like, he's obviously doing more work than the actual police here. But he's kind of – he's coming into crime scenes. He's, like, tampering with crime <laughs> scenes. He's not yeah. telling anyone. Like, he when he gets to, like, the, the author's house, Amanda Rigetti – he he sees yeah. it. He goes there. He's like, "There's a dead body," and then he he does whatever tinkers, and then he leaves and and meets up with with Daria with Jana, mm-hmm. and the conversation is like, "Are you gonna call the police or something like that?" And just like, "No, they'll they'll eventually find her tomorrow." Like, did you 
I made sure not to like touch anything so his fingerprints weren't there. So the poor maid, this elderly 90-year-old maid or whatever, like she yes. she came there the next day and had the fright of her life when she found this like her murdered employer or whatever. But it's just it, he he does a lot of things like that. It's, the fact that he's like he tears that thing out of the library book. That was like might have been mm. the first one. We see him like when he's on the phone with John and he's at the cafe and they're like the, the guys doing the espresso machine and he's like right. yelling at the guy. He's just like, like, can you stop that? Like, why is this next to the phone? And it's just like, we're running a business here, dude. Like, like, chill the fuck <laughs> out. Um, but then and going to the house that's for sale, like that big mansion and just and just taking the liberty of destroying it. Like, like uh-huh. actually like, like breaking a hole in the outside yeah. facade of, of the building. So he's, he's doing a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, a, I don't hate anyone in this movie. Like, it's going to be hard to, no. to cherry pick, but, uh, um, no. <laughs> no, like this, that's, this, that's par for the course for like the Argento leading men. Like they're just, they, they, yeah. they get by, by like, they get lucky. They're kind of final boys by default. Like they're just they they do sure. the bare minimum, and it just they kind of skate by in life. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's yeah. a strange balance that I feel like Argento maybe was trying to kind of like strike with, and I don't know, maybe it's just a very European way of looking at law enforcement. I mean, um, particularly in the 1970s, I don't know, or maybe it's just cinematic law enforcement. But um, yeah. like seeing the fact that like here is a man who is a jazz pianist. And he is um, hot on the trail of this murderer. (laughs) No, no one has asked him, really. I mean, well, not until uh, Jana gets onto the scene. But even the way she asks him, it's just kind of like, it might be fun. Why don't you come, you know, be my partner kind of like spirit of things. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of like, "Eh, okay. um, But but I also feel like... there are, if you need it, Argento provided one shot that I did not remember. I think it is in the cut that I saw before, but it, it didn't resonate with me until this time. When they're in Helga's place after she is uh, killed, and uh, there's a person dusting for prints in her uh, home. Yeah. And I noticed, I had to run back because uh, uh, just rewind it to see, like, were they wearing gloves? And they weren't. They were just holding, like, um, a handkerchief <laughs> yeah. up on something. I don't remember if it was a lamp or a bulb or something, but they were holding, holding on. And I'm like, if you drop that kerchief, or if something slips and you drop the kerchief, your fingerprints are now going to be all over wherever their fingerprints are. And you've just completely, you know, contaminated the scene. So yeah. that, so obviously I mean, like these people need help and maybe this, in this particular universe, they need uh, uh, a Marco Daly, a Marcus yeah. Daly. I mean, the cops. <laughs> if if like the the men and women are written to um, be kind of weak characters, like the cops are written even right. worse uh, in these movies. But I mean, like it, it doesn't matter anyway because the killer, famously, as we're shown, is like those close up shots of like the leather gloves, which is that was another thing. Like Argento is so good with these like close up shots of of just. Yeah. Uh, details um i wanted to ask yeah. you though uh because this can kind of segue into like uh some of like the murders and interesting moments but like do you have a favorite set piece of this movie Ooh, 
see, you asked me that impromptu, and I have yeah. to think. Okay, well, you answer your well, own. Question well, let's while I let's think. let's go through. <laughs> let's go through them because, yeah. I, like, obviously, the first one is the the Helga murder, um, and this is a scene yeah. where the, it's the the crashing through the glass and sort of like the yeah. the, the, the get it cutting into <sighs> the neck, which has been, I mean again mimicked in so many other horror movies like even scream four yeah. as well with olivia uh across the 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 way from from jill's house um but that was such a great moment and even like the ringing bell i was actually I, and because this does predate it but straight jacket with joan crawford because there was the the music that played on the tape recorder yeah. that kind of like set her off and that was what the killer or martha in this case would do is just like playing that that child's song outside right. of her door so it like kind of created this uh uh this eerie effect before like the bell the doorbell started ringing like a pavlovian um, response yeah, yeah um and then the 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 next one which might be my favorite um and i don't uh. like particularly know why is like when because it's kind of been revealed thanks to jonna that that mark is the eyewitness because like it's front news of the the paper there's no privacy or anything anymore we're going to tell mm-hmm. exactly what his name is and where he lives or whatever and just like the scene of like him at home playing piano or like practicing right. piano and then the killer kind of like it, the camera does like such amazing things in this shot of just like kind of like yeah. like flying through the curtains the killer like walking on the rooftop and like just the dust falling and just seeing the shadow yeah. coming closer and closer to it. when I yeah. saw like it looked like sawdust falling on the piano and I wrote a note like Zach did I see sawdust falling <laughs> on a piano <laughs> sorry um, go on no no that might that and that might be my favorite moment and then just like like the sweat like be, beating down yes. from his temple and just like and then when he finally like gets up and slams the door shut and then you can hear the killer mm-hmm. like whispering on the other side but then Jana calls and he's like what does he yeah. say he's like Somebody is absolutely trying to kill me, you know? Which I thought was just like the most hilarious dialogue. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> we've got the we've got the scene at the um Amanda's house where she sets up the 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 doll on the noose, which is which is one of the the key art design, I think the key art design for the the photo, which kind of which then segues into like the the power being cut out and like the birds, the the flying about, which then segues into the oh. the moment that you talked about with the 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 drowning or the scalding in the hot the scalding, water yeah. which is yes. which was then taken and used in um in Halloween too for the nurse right. kill um then and we, it actually you know what that's probably my favorite set piece if we while while we're on it because yeah. it's also got that tragic cuz as soon as it happened I was like oh I do remember this uh just yeah. her arm Reaching over to the tie. What do you tile? think she wrote? Because she, she wrote like it was, and then there was like because we didn't see what the rest of it was. So what do you think she like? Does she know Martha personally, or is she just like it was a woman, or? I I'd like to think that everybody knows Martha and that she. Well, Mar- <laughs> well, okay, no, that's the thing. That's the thing because everyone does know Martha because when when yeah. Marcus goes to visit her. The first time she has photos, which was actually the actress, like real photos of her from earlier in her career. And she said, like, I used to be a famous actress. So now that I think about that, she might have just been like, it was uh, Martha. That celebrity. That that famous (laughs) Italian actress who just went crazy and disappeared. (laughs) Nobody knows what happened to her. 
So if it happened to you, you'd be like laying there like it was Alyssa Milano or, you know, whoever it was. <laughs> like, just like some actress at random. It like somebody Alyssa who Milano. you know yeah. and you're just trying to let them know, yeah. you know, it was it was Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. You know, as I said on my Holly Golightly poster. Um, but, um, and then, uh, but that tragic that tragic loss, like because you knew that the steam was going to leave the room and knowing that somebody was going to have to keen enough eye. And luckily we're in that movie where somebody does. Yeah. But um yeah, I think that 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 was my favorite subject. Yeah. There's also everything that you mentioned. Like, I felt bad for the bird. Like <laughs> the, the, the bird, that the got bird, the kamikaze bird that just like flew right into oh, the, the needle. Oh, the kamikaze yeah. bird, and then and then the other bird that's just kind of like looking really distraught all of a sudden, and just everything about that was one of those moments where I was legitimately tense and scared yeah. for what was Do going you... to happen because I remembered an, an element of it. Yeah. Do you think the old lady was killed too? The maid. Because she came back the I, next I, day, and then there was sort of that scene where I the, know. Yeah, it left the last, it very the ambiguous. The last thing of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, the last thing of the scene is like something moving or something like that, right? And she so, goes to investigate it. Because, I mean, that's... Yeah, a, I think... Well, I think what actually, die. what who might have been there? That might have been Carlo, who, like, Martha had sent to kind of, like, fall, like, just follow up. Because how else would they know that Giordani, because he was in that scene... Had figured because he said, I figured out who the killer was, and then he went back to his house. So that, and then that oh. led Martha to go there. Oh. I mean, like if you had to, because th- he was obviously an, a, an accomplice to her in some form or another, but. Um, well, what do you think he went there? What was his express reason? I think, I think it was just to, to get, to get yeah, on. to get intel, just to make sure, like, what did they know, sort of thing, just like keep tabs on on shit but so you still think he was in league with martha then i think that he was just, i don't think that he killed anyone she even said at the end like like carlo oh, didn't yeah, kill yeah. anyone as, as she said that he was actually kind of like proactive in moving around and hiding as much as she was he just didn't do any of the killing yeah she was just getting okay. or he was just getting info for her um okay. like but, a winged monkey yeah but that that then leads us into the next set piece which is the the puppet one which, oh, God, such a, a famous, a famous scene, which is kind, of, which is the inspiration for for Billy yeah. the puppet and Saw. Like Saw, in and of itself, we talked about it when we covered that episode. Is um, an homage to so many movies of the seventies because they had the Black Christmas, like the eyeball uh, in the closet, yeah. and and the and Billy the puppet just being. Uh, the the puppet in this movie, which is just, it makes no logical sense that this thing is able to like burst through the door, walk towards him, Ooh. but it's just it's just such a creepy moment that doesn't make any sense, and it's it's great. It it the I think the nightmare aspect of it, the thing that you would never want to be that person in that room because what if it doesn't? Never mind whether you believe or not. What yeah. if <laughs> this magic if is enough? Like if it's scary enough. Um, I, I, I think it doesn't need to be rational. It doesn't need to like yeah. make perfect sense. Like, well, how would she know that it would go toward him? I'm like, no, it did. That it just did because it did. Yeah, that's how she knew. And just the, the giggling, <laughs> and then the figure just like darting <sighs> out from behind the curtain. Yes, no thanks. Yeah, and, and that. Oh, the and the teeth. and the teeth. Yeah, the teeth smashing on every surface, which is a callback to a conversation that he had. I forget if it was with. Uh, Jana or Carlo, where he's just talking about like how when he plays piano, it sort of it it reminds him or just like makes him feel as if he's like bashing his father's teeth in. And then and then that also leads to there's another thing when they go to the school, there's that graffiti on the the, the wall that says kill your mom and dad in the in the in the bathroom (laughs) stall. 
I think the little girl yeah. put that up. But <laughs> she was dis- she, she had was her disturbed. Own. Yeah. That's, that lizard with the pen in it. Yeah. Fuck me. But that, there's a, that, that in and of itself. Never but, seen that. Before. But here's another here's another point against Marcus. Because he when he sees the picture in her room, he goes up and he yeah. like full on like grabs her art. Like he could have dislocated it. And the dad's oh, totally. just like, whatever, she's a little monster. But like like roughing up little <laughs> kids, like you're gonna add that to no. your resume. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, um, and then also, like, when he discovers the mural, like, he starts scraping away at it and everything like that. And we get a little montage, but he doesn't. Yeah. I, I mean, okay, I wanted to ask you, Zach, if that were you and yeah. you found, like, this little mural that's, like, kind of, like, incriminating or whatever, yeah. and you just start scratching away, would you leave any edge that you couldn't scrape off of that wall, like, unscraped? Like, I would have gone to the whole thing. I mean, I. I'm a pretty compulsive person being a Virgo really? and yeah. control freak and everything like that. But, yeah. but I, I, if the second I start to see something that looks like it might be relevant, it's like, well, there could be more relevance beyond this on the wall. I don't know what it is that made him decide. These are the parameters of the drawing yeah. and I will scrape no more. I mean, you know what I, mean? I would have definitely scraped more, but I also would have never gone into that house by myself. Um, true. so, so th- I mean, not just, not just the fact that like, this is a horror movie and there's a killer on the loose <laughs> and this place is scary as fuck at night, not even just in the daytime, but at nighttime, especially, I know, um, it, no, but no, I guess, I mean, I guess be. we know that, that Mark Daly is not a Virgo then. Um, <laughs> I want to say that, that Jana is a Sagittarius though. I, 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 I did give it some thought. Because... Because she just has Sagittarius energy. Okay. And yeah. what, what, what does that, for <laughs> anybody who might be listening for the first time, <laughs> how do you define Very, very, energy? very energetic, very uh, adventurous, very feisty, um, very, very um, fun-loving and free-spirited. Yeah, celebratory. That's yeah. a big key. With her, I mean, I don't know that, like, the school would be really a set piece. Like, if you, like, you know continuing on to like him getting dragged by the thing but another that's, like real that's definitely a set piece that that me that like, is yeah Carlo. that which is kind of, which is also foreshadowed earlier as well when when they're driving mm. by like some sort of like construction thing or something but um <laughs> the the moment where she goes up because she's like i'm gonna go call the police let them know that we're here and she goes into that room that is pitch black like it just like inky black all behind her except for that little window at the top there and the light is just yeah. on her on the phone and then you hear that that whisper almost like of the killer just like Jana. Yes. Creepiest fucking thing ever. If I was in a room, a dark room alone seemingly and I just heard my name being being spoken from the corner no. absolutely no. not. Yeah. Um no, never. No, but uh, and then the the final the final kind of like murder, as it were, it's just like the the back in the Helga's apartment, or just like back out into the the lobby of the elevator, which which is just it's just so much fun. Yeah, the decapitation. I, I mean, it was interesting to me to see like these two, this mother son duo, <laughs> uh, suffer so. Uh, 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 excessively, it seems, mm-hmm. um, just because, I mean, this is, this is a movie that is now several decades old and I'm watching almost them 50 years, <laughs> almost yeah. 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and watching both of them expire, um, in their own way made me wince 
And yeah, I was just sitting in my bedroom and I just went, whoa, like out loud. <laughs> and I think especially with, well, not especially, there are different reasons, but with Carlo, there was something about it that also like just unsettled me. Like I just kind of felt like there might be uh, a little kind of like punish the homo, you know, like <laughs> about it. Like I don't think Dario Argento hated homosexuals or anything like that but i mean a lot of you know quite the contrary actually like he was i mean argento but i mean just i mean cinematically i don't mean like socially or politically i just mean cinematically like you know we suffered gay gay characters suffered in movies and that's what we did yeah Um, well i mean the 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 lover the the lover didn't i mean except for the the long sufferingness of just having to put up with the the drunk Carlo, but no, like Argento, Argento was very progressive. Like, and um, he actually, like I, him and Daria, like they were just like, from what I like had heard on like the, the special features and commentaries when they would mm-hmm. discuss sort of their, their relationship. Cause they were kind of like uh, pop stars almost in, in their own right in Italy, just like, like film sure. makers and, and stuff. Cause she collaborated with him on like writing on Suspiria and stuff. So they were very progressive. They, they had a lot of, it's weird to say they, they had a lot of gay friends and stuff, but they, they certainly, <laughs> Some of they, their best friends yeah, are gay. my friends are gay, so it's okay. But you know, he definitely had <laughs> some wherewithal to, to like put that representation in there. And I don't think that anything in any of his movies is, is depicted in a way that is, um, like problematic or anything. Cause like even in Tenebrae, you have the lesbian lovers, uh, remember the, the, the double murder scene. And yes, there's even, there's even the, um, the line. Cause like when the, when they're talking and he's just like, um, Tenebrae is about human perversion and its effects on society. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, the, the, there's a gay character in this. He's like, well, it's portrayed as perfectly normal. I don't see what the problem mm-hmm. is. So just like, uh, and a lot of people like uh, attributed Tenebrae as being like uh, Argento's response to the people who criticized him about things like sexism and possibly homophobia. If there were, mm-hmm. you know, instances where he was accused of that. So I, I personally didn't see it at all. The way that I see it is that it was, it was representation regardless. Like there were so many people in this movie that were murdered uh, one of them just happened to be gay. That wasn't like, uh, and every single one of these people suffered a lot. Yeah, but the, every death, every death, it, every death was very traumatic. <laughs> I like in, in I its own interesting that, way. All I can say is none of the other deaths kind of made me think like, oh, of course, because I don't know. And the demographic in 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 particular. I like I said, I'm not accusing him of anything like personally or politically or anything like that. I'm just saying like yeah. this is the way it struck me, particularly, you know, what was going on in a lot of cinema at that time. We weren't heroes per se. Yeah. And this character wasn't. And and I understand that, you know, the 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 villain needs to be taken down as well, but it it was just something yeah. that occurred to me. You know, I wouldn't... It, it, it it was it was like, "Oh, ho, 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 ho. Okay, we reserved a little extra <laughs> for this character, and I don't believe it's because he's gay, but it's a, it's the fact that it is happening to a character who also happens to be gay. I'm like, okay, uh, I clocked it. Uh, doesn't mean I'm seeing something like I'm seeing the truth or anything like that, but I also don't think I'm seeing things that aren't there necessarily. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, and again, not accusing any kind of intentional messaging or anything like that. I think when it. you. 
When, no, when you make films, especially like as, you know, kind of like subjective and dreamscapey as uh, Argento yeah. does, I think a lot of things just kind of like fall through the cracks or well, find their way on the screen. I, and, you know, I don't, may not even be conscious. Of I it. don't even see Carlo as a villain. Like he was a child who was corrupted in a way by a mentally unstable parent who became his only parent who traumatized this this boy as a child and that's mm-hmm. how he he grew up and lived the rest of his life and even you know in a way Martha is a victim of uh of the a, a system that you know like they these people are doing things that are awful but at the end of the day I have empathy for them because where the movie allows us to have empathy for it. It kind of it shows us Martha's struggle, even though we don't see that it's her from the beginning. Like you, that we have the scene at the beginning where she goes into the bathroom or whatever that area is outside of the bathroom. So we right. and she's crying, or what sounds like the killer is crying. So we already know that like we're seeing it through their perspective. Where this is like the mm-hmm. POV shot before Halloween ever did it, and we feel that kind of urgency, like, okay, we have to cover it up. Like, you know, it's everything is is going to be exposed. So in that way, this movie does a really good job of making these characters human for like as, as poorly written as they are. I think that, <laughs> no, like actually the, 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 just in the writing of the circumstances and how it is um, shown to us on the screen I, I don't walk away from this movie and I'm, I'm not just thinking like Martha is just like an evil person. She's, she's not misunderstood. I mean, she's misunderstood, but she's, she's doing heinous things and you feel bad for the whole situation at the end. But one, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. Go on. Well, no, just in, it, 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 as far as rebuttal, like, uh, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I, I, I honestly can say, um, in hindsight, uh, and the way I'll watch this movie in the future, I feel like between Martha and Carlo, I think they're both two characters who are honestly just kind of doing their best in the world that Pretty they've much, been presented yeah. with. Um, that said, uh, I can't not call them villains given the way they are positioned against the person who is designated as our hero mm-hmm. of the film, yeah. at, you know, at the end of the third act, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So uh, I, I see your point, but I, uh, you know, I also see mine. Yeah. So, well, I'm just, no, that's fair. <laughs> I'm just, I just know that there are other Argento films where there, there is a killer who is just like full on uh, deranged and just an asshole uh, or a bitch or whatever. But for the most part, like, it's just, it, it's, you know, there, there's are probably things that have not aged well, just in terms of like the way that mental illness is uh, um, portrayed in, in movies. Sure. But it, it's still, in a way, I think it's important because we're, we're, we're not just, Argento is not just presenting these, these people as just like these straight up villains. There's nuance to it. It's like there's, you know, even if he's not representing the the condition to the best of, of his knowledge or whatever the knowledge was at the time, mm-hmm. uh, he's still being delicate with with who they are as characters, as a written character in a movie. And I think that that's oh. important. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'd argue Carlo, pro- I, I, I think I feel more dimension 
from Carlo even then from Martha, yeah. just given like the severity, like Carlo really seems to be um, a man torn by everything that he's doing. Whereas Martha seems to have relative clarity about what needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, she's very chaotic about it, but also like she, she straddles <laughs> chaos and what organization. I, what I <laughs> love about her. Cause, cause we, I mean, other than like the brief, like flash that like her face is shown. She really has like maybe one and a half scenes before her reveal. And it's just, and it's just one of those things like, you know, we're talking about an urban legend where it's just like, here's uh, Rebecca Gayhart, where it's just like, like being totally chipper and peppy and like almost like ditzy to in a way. And you've got Martha who's just like, I'm the killer, but like, I have to like, you know, make it seem like I'm just like this eccentric older lady who's, you know, once had Very fame. Needy. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also like, I don't know if like you noticed, but when he, he knocks on her door, she opens it and she's almost shocked. She's just like, yes. Like, she's just like, oh my God, he's, he's on to me. And then, and then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm a friend of Carla. She's like, oh yes, come in. And then just like totally playing it up. Um, and just being like the engineer or whatever. She's like a pianist engineer. Like she's just, she's, she's working at heart. Like in, in back in that day, like that reveal would have been shocking because nobody would have seen it coming. Uh, right. just cause it's like, it is a character that is very hidden in plain sight. Um, who would just, is not like presented as a, as a threat at any point in the movie. Like the, the next time we see her is when he calls her and he's just like, he's very dismissive of her cause he notices something and he's like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll call later and hangs up on her. Um, yeah. but, uh, her, I mean her death at the, like just the decapitation. Um, cause that was another thing. Like we, t at the beginning when you quoted Helga, we talked about like the, the water, uh, coming out of her mouth and dripping oh, down yeah, the chin. Yeah. Cause there's kind of a motif of that in this movie. Cause it happens during, uh Giordani's kill because he's like has the tea that he's sipping and that like kind of pours out right. of his mouth and on the sweater and then with Martha when she gets the chain uh caught around her neck and decapitated mm -hmm. there's that nasty like throw up or whatever that comes out in that last right. moment which is just so unpleasant <laughs> I also I I was trying to figure out what her look was evoking for me. And I came up with a term that I think I'm going to stick to anytime I refer to uh, Martha film noir kabuki. That's totally what it is. is yeah. Yeah. So face is painted solid white and everything about the, the, the wardrobe is just very, very Sam Spade, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just got a brown raincoat and a, and a leather hat and just like, the, yeah, it's it's she's looks like a ghost in the the last scene there because she didn't mime. have yeah she didn't have that heavy makeup on uh, when we first saw like no, she she was made up but no. not to that extent um, yeah. so so it almost makes me think of like the the Betty Davis and whatever happened to Baby Jane or just like <laughs> she she would never take the makeup off she would just every every new day she would just put on another layer of makeup because it was part of the character. <laughs> Um, I will say, uh, unless you have anything else to, to add that, uh, one thing this movie does as well that I just absolutely love, which is another Argento flourish is that the movie just knows how to end. It just like, it just ends with this decapitation <laughs> yes. and he's staring, we see his reflection in this 
pool of blood. It's very much like you, like the end of Suspiria. Like you have been watching Suspiria when she bursts yes, out of the yes. the building, and and even Tenebrae of just like Daria Nicolodi just screaming into this this doorway as this thunderstorm uh, is is going on behind her. Like we don't need the fucking we don't need like the the ambulance scene the next day we don't need the nightmare waking up like the the thing that like North American movies horror movies have to do where just like if the movie's over like where's Paul you know like just end the fucking movie so so kudos to Dario or, Argento or, or the or the 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 explanation the psycho explanation at the end the epilogue the hat grabber the, now yeah. now let me explain yeah the hat grabber as yeah. Hitchcock called it but the but he shot it <laughs> but the yeah the explanation like now you just saw this now let us let's you know lay it all out for you I'm actually yeah. I wouldn't have minded that but given given the the amplification uh, and the pace uh, of the movie, even at two hours and seven minutes. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it, it would have stopped the train. I think I that everything was movie. perfectly explained to us when she kind of, <laughs> I guess she was just like, it was, it was almost like a family guy cutaway. Like she's just like, Carlo didn't kill anyone. It was many years ago. And then it just goes back to the, yeah. the flashback. And then yes, all of a sudden like yeah. cuts back. Ah! Um, yeah, and that was sufficient enough. I knew, I knew exactly what happened in that household. Yeah. And another thing I didn't notice, like going, cause the, the flashback takes place during Christmas and the, uh, something that Eric had pointed out, uh, uh, to me, uh, is that that room that was sealed off cause I never noticed it, but the Christmas tree is in it. So the room that is shown in the flashback is the room where the the dead body is sealed in, so she just she just full on like sealed off this room with everything in it, all the Christmas stuff, the window outside. Do you think she did that herself, or did she hire a contractor? Like that's because that was some like. <laughs> oh, I think she definitely yeah. did it herself. Maybe she that's where she was harping on the engineer thing, because maybe she herself is like into a little light construction. Yeah. A little, <laughs> it's a load bearing wall. Let's. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Um, only the other thing I, I I can bring up that stood out to me is um just a, a, a number of lines that um that stayed with me like I really appreciated Helga in the beginning discussing how butterflies have telepathy yeah <laughs> and and how you know like these things she she doesn't she, I can't remember exactly how she put it but like somebody's like suggestion like cobwebs no it's just like she says they linger yeah they like cobwebs like cobwebs she's so that. good yeah she really yeah. is she's yeah made, that's why I wanted to quote her at the top of this but um mm-hmm. I also just uh, like the exchange that Carlo like this is what I don't remember and, may, and maybe it was all in the thing but it just I don't know something about the pacing it just made it left itself to be a little bit more. Uh, 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 pick like I, I felt like I was walking through a field finding daisies and just picking them with these some of these lines. Carlo, yeah. um, just declaring himself the proletariat of the keyboard and says that he plays for survival, whereas Marcus, from his vantage point, is the bourgeois, he plays for art. And um, <laughs> I mean, just this level of conversation i'm just kind of like i can totally get on board with this and it made it really really easy to sail through the rest of the movie everything about the movie is just kind of like um helping me careen it's madness <laughs> at times mm-hmm. especially with the disjointed you know like uh language flip flop and everything like that but yeah it didn't it, nothing was spoiled 
for me at all. Like it was, I was so happy to revisit it and so happy that um, I have a copy of it now too. So thank you, Zach Cherry. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for throwing me under the bus like that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's get to the cherry picker. It's not like they First things first, we need to pick a cherry on top. You could totally do the water out of the chin thing right now, but you... I don't want for to! Our, for our listeners, he just took a big swig of water. Um, <laughs> this, I mean, it's 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 Jana. It absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. you... You yep. did. You did remind me of just how amazing Helga is. What's the? I should look up the actress's name. Um, I didn't write it down. Plays her because yeah, she's she's excellent, and she. I mean, she's kind of like. I mean, if we're looking at this in screen terms, she is the Drew Barrymore of the piece, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Janet Lee, if you will, or or the Judith Myers. Um, such a young girl. Or just say such yes. a young boy. <laughs> uh, Ma- Maka Merrill, I, if oh. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but yeah, Helga yeah. Ullman. Yeah, yeah, Helga Ullman. But yeah, absolutely, Daria Nicolodi. And this is, I mean, of all of the Argento films that she, because she was basically in all of like the the big ones throughout the 70s and the 80s and this is her yeah. best performance of even, even though oh. it's dubbed but even like the physical performance as well like it's just it's it's superb so oh her spirit is undeniable yeah. everything that goes on behind those eyes and everything yeah you want yeah. to be in the room with her she yeah. is she is even did though you, as, I, I did find fault with the fact that as a journalist in this particular cut because uh, mm-hmm. I do believe they were discussed, uh, talking in Italian yeah. she uh, wants to leave the case she wants to go on holiday with him to Spain and I'm like but you haven't solved the case yet and she's well, getting maybe, ready she did, they, <laughs> just, they have that talk about Lebanon yeah. and he's afraid of planes and stuff which I actually found pretty endearing for him yeah. like he's afraid of flying you know I don't know did you and it's funny that you mentioned the Gale Weathers scream two moment of her walking out in the whole Gale did you think in the moment where when he was knocked out by the killer and then he was next wakes up lying in front of the house and it's on fire. And she was kind of sitting there because she's looking up at the fire and she has this very sinister look on her face. Did you think that maybe she was the killer in that moment or they were like kind of not at all? Yeah, not at all. But it's kind of too much. (laughs) It's played in that way though. Like it's played to make her look suspicious. I thought it, see, I, I took it more as just like, she, was afraid of what would have happened if she hadn't gotten there when she did. Like it, uh, it looked to it, the the look on her face, the subtext I read was um, just fear, okay. fear at like how close they were coming to mortality, both yeah. of them. So, okay, that's all right. Anyway, so last week on the cherry picker, we asked you who deserves to die the most in They Live. I nominated Holly Thompson. You nominated blonde-haired cop, and across Patreon, Instagram, and YouTube, the very close uh, 333 for Holly Thompson versus 365 for your bullshit nomination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were respecting my decision. Thank you. <laughs> um, sucked says. Though there are many reasons to vote for the blonde-haired cop and 
uh, Rowdy Roddy harasses Meg Foster from the start. It always hurts my soul every time Meg Foster kills Keith David during every viewing. And no matter how seductive Meg Foster's crystal eyes are, I can't help but not trust her when I see her in movies. She was evil Lynn after all. Dylan Jameson, Holly got my vote. I remember my first viewing of this and how pissed off I was when she killed Keith David's character so much so that I had to pause the movie to walk around the house for a breather before I could finish it. (laughs) Uh, 30 seconds to Marshmallow. Although Meg Foster's eyes could mesmerize me into doing anything for her, and she endured so much of Terry O'Quinn's BS in The Stepfather 2. I have to vote for Holly. She did have to do Keith... Did, did, did she have to do Keith David like that? Hurts my heart. So we're seeing a, a common theme here. Uh, yeah. S- Silent Saturn, Roddy Piper might not know how to act or how to be charismatic or even how to properly flip someone off, but what he does know is how to fill a pair of jeans... So I vote for Holly because she did not seize the opportunity to get him out of those jeans and make this film at least somewhat interesting. Oh, well, maybe she knew he was only ever going to take them off for Frank, and that's why she killed him. <laughs> the movie is very ambiguous that way. You can tell my mind wandered a lot during watching this. I can, Yes, I don't ab- blame you. Absolutely. It looks good. <laughs> Thomas Baker, my, go- go- my vote goes to Holly. Amethyst Frost, this was a really rough movie in terms of memorable characters in either direction. Holly was more frustrating to watch because she had no coherent arc, despite taking up more of the movie, and ultimately was a weak plot twist. My tepid decision is kill her, I guess. I'm so excited for Deep Red, what we're talking about now, because I listened to every episode of the old podcast Uh, Old Patreon pod earlier this year, Deep Red was the first Argento movie I ever watched. I've seen them all now. So thank you so much, Zach and Eddie, for giving these movies the discussion, the discussions they deserve. The Deep Red theme is also a classic that should be ranked among Tubular Bells and Halloween as an all-time great horror movie song. And thank you, Amethyst Frost, who has taken the time to watch all of those old patreon episodes which by the way if you are supporting on patreon all of those are available there and you also get to cast an extra vote as well not just on uh uh uh, instagram and youtube but uh yeah amethyst frost did the spreadsheet which you can access if you go to our youtube i'll just plug the youtube now if you're new to the 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 uh (laughs) the cherry picker you can go subscribe to us on youtube and uh there's uh, a link in the about section that has all of the 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 information of every episode that we've done that amethyst has put together which is incredible and there's fun trivia there as well notable facts yeah notable (laughs) facts but yeah there's i guess there's a running tally i haven't looked at in a while of who is winning between you and i um i think it's you yeah Maybe you've been on a you've been on a a, a tear lately, but um, uh, yeah. Also, if if you are new to the podcast and you are uh, watching us on YouTube, you can also listen. The RSS feed link is in the descriptions down below. Uh, next up, Andy Bryan says the cop is just trying to talk down what he perceives as a crazy person before he hurts someone. Holly Thompson is actively hindering the resistance movement. Holly should die first, preferably before shooting Frank. I mean, technically, the cop is 
one of the they they um so we're not talking about like like an innocent who has absolutely no idea what's going on within the system so um that out there aeon to flux dude did anyone see that hillside he tumbled down because of her jesus uh, and then Rob Rangel, I vote, like it hurt. Rob Rangel, I voted based off vibes. I voted for the cop. So it seems like that's what most people voted off of was vibes, because I don't think a lot of people have seen They Lived. So mm. you basically won uh, because of that, because of vibes. So, well, as long as you're diagnosing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many people do you think have seen this movie who are going to be voting for? I don't think a lot of people have seen this like this. I mean. Suspiria is the only nor- like movie that's really commercially successful in North America, and even when we did that podcast, it wasn't it, like it didn't uh, set the 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 streams on fire. So, nor did nor did Tenebrae. Um, so I imagine it's probably going to be a, another uh, vibe vibe <laughs> episode, possibly. All right. Um... Well, I, I thought about this, and I, I, I you're, you were right when you said earlier uh, in this pod that it's not really like a movie replete with despicable people who deserve to die. Mm-hmm. So the only one who I can think of, just because I, 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 I just think he survived too much, and I would have loved to have seen <laughs> to see Jana really be the final girl you know at the end of this movie um so i'm gonna choose marcus daly um just for all the reasons i mentioned you know kind of nebby or nebbish i don't whatever the word is nubby i don't know whatever it is that just kind of sounds plunked and you know inactive and barely motivated but no motivated enough to kind of like you know feel entitled yeah yeah Yeah. i'd kill him i'd kill him (laughs) uh (laughs) And I'm going to nominate, uh, we didn't even talk about this character, really, uh, and I had to go to the Wikipedia to make sure that I was picking the right character. Um, Police uh, Superintendent Cal Cal Cabrini, which I believe is the one. He is the the one in charge of this investigation. And he's, he's mostly just like, I think he's really in just three parts. Like he's at the part when they're uh coming over the the apartment he's just like more concerned about like eating his sandwich getting crumbs all over the place right. too um yeah, we yeah. see there's this random scene in the middle of the movie where uh it just shows them at the police precinct like nobody he's not interacting with any of like the actual characters of the movie other than like i guess his partner or whatever and they're not i don't even know what they're doing or talking about it might actually be one of those italian scenes that was cut out um yeah. of the of the uh north american version but he's just there might be something with a vending machine i don't even remember they're they're just yeah. not doing their job and then he shows up at the end to shoot at carlo and they're chasing after him but you know arguably he might be the reason that carlo gets you know <gasps> caught on the the little hook thing right 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 so i mean um, just just for being an incompetent police officer and if you know maybe we're on a onto something here like the cops are, are the the prime pickings for the cherry <laughs> we'll find out next yeah. week right yeah but um no it's funny because like i thought for for just a moment uh since we're you know and we're close to ending but just I, I just thought for a moment about like what if i did like carlo's father and i'm just like i think he was just doing his best too you know i mean it's not an yeah. easy thing to like decide or i don't know what their marriage what the nature of their marriage was or anything like yeah. that but you know i mean everybody's just 
doing their best in that family. I can't send yeah. any of them down the river, you know? I mean, they so had a gonna, lot of, so... they had a lot of money. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's enviable. Um, but yeah. uh, that's about it. Um, I wanted yeah. to just, okay. So basically like choose someone who, uh, is not good at their job and refuses to do it well. <laughs> and, or someone who has no business doing a job and is running around pretending to be a cop or a detective or both. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, that's the thing. Well, all these, all these old Argento movies, like, it's hard to find, like, there's, the characters are just too, I don't want to say lovable, but I don't, I don't, I, I need all of them, you know? Uh, yeah. I get it. I yeah. Get it. Except for one. Yeah. If we have to pick one, that's the thing. It we have has to, to pick come one. Down. That's, it's, that's, yeah, that's the name the of the game. game. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Anyway, uh, you can vote your heart, vote your conscience. Uh, like I said again, yeah. uh, Instagram, uh, it is uh, at the Cherry Picker Pod. Go follow us there. Also on YouTube, as I already explained. Uh, Edward, where can they find you on social media? You can find me on platforms like Instagram, YouTube, Letterboxd. You can't find me on TikTok, but I'm there. Uh, Edward is truth, one word, traditional spelling. How about you, Zach Love Cherry? That we're still taking up airtime for your TikTok that you don't use. Uh, you Literally can... a fraction of a second. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on YouTube. My main channel is Zach Cherry, Z-A-C-K-C-H-E-R-R-Y. I'm on Instagram at Retro Bitch Face, all one word, and Letterboxd, Zach cherry same spelling uh and that's it yeah i'm not doing that other thing anymore so uh with that said what have we got going on next week that's a really good question zach cherry what's what christmasy thing we got going on next week edward is truth the one where the i um give me a hint um what color is your shirt Black. <gasps> Wait. No. What? Wait. What? No. Hurry up. We're come not. On. <laughs> I don't know. Just say it. <laughs> Black Christmas. Oh, we are doing Black Christmas. 2019. Oh, no, I'm joking. What? It's it's the original. I wouldn't oh, do I, I wouldn't I would not do that. <laughs> We're not ready for that again. <laughs> I would sooner do 2006 than 2019. I I agree. But, uh, but yeah, we're yeah. Uh, Black Christmas original 1974. Oh. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and we will be 